everybody. Welcome to your weekly word from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am so glad you decided to join me today. I, If you like these videos, please like and subscribe to them. Um, but I have something today. You know, this particular sermon message came to me when, you know, you sitting in the midst of all that's going on and there's just so much chaos uh, in, in the world that we're living in, there's so much chaos in our own country, unnecessary chaos that's been brought on by people who are terrible leaders, uh, have brought in this nation into a place of great chaos. And you talk to so many people and it really affects them and they, they, they get caught up in it. And even, even people who are believers, they get caught up in all the chaos and can't seem to find uh, a sense of peace in the middle of it. Maybe sometimes it's because you watch too much news or whatever, but, you know, over and over and over, you keep, keep hearing, you need to know about it, but you keep hearing about the, all this stuff. And it's like, you just can't, you're, you're just absolutely amazed by it, especially, you know, someone like me who, you know, is a follower of Christ and I hold to a biblical worldview and I hold to what the word of God teaches and, and you see the agendas that are being pushed in this nation. And it's just, it's just, you know, it could make you, it could put you in a place of, uh, falling to the chaos and to be really un, uneasy and to be very anxious and worry filled, but we can't be that way. We've got to learn what to deal, how to deal with being in chaos. And so, the title of the sermon today is "Calm in the Chaos." Calm in the chaos. And I thought back to times in my life and um, things that I had to go through as a non-believer that put me in situations of chaos that I had to come to a place in my life where I really walk through that in calmness. Now, we're going to be looking at scripture verses in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. That's going to be our main text, just two simple verses, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. But I look back at my time, especially when I was in dive school, and the whole purpose was obviously for them to train you to become a Navy diver, but Part of the purpose was through the school that you went through, the months and months of schooling, or not just schooling, but the schooling including all the all the hard things you had to do. They constantly put you in um, arenas of chaos, whether it was you know in, in a very cold pool uh, or a very cold ocean or whatever they could do to bring you to a place where you could fall, you you could uh, feel very chaotic. And, you know, I back then had to learn to, um, without Christ, I had to learn to try to quiet myself down in the midst of it and uh, not let the chaos overtake me because if you give in to the chaos, that's when real problems come. So a lot of the guys that failed the school that got kicked out uh, was because they weren't able to find a calmness in the midst of the chaos uh, all the in, difficult circumstances that they put you in, they weren't able to find a calmness in that. And because of that, they gave into it. Their, everything became chaotic, chaotic. They couldn't handle it. And it caused them to quit, caused them to give up, give in. So there's a, there's a, there needs to be an ability in us to find calm in the chaos. And I'm going to give you the biblical answer to this because these two simple verses, and there's so many other verses in the Bible that talk about worry and things, 
but these two simple verses, these are the ones the Holy Spirit brought me to, and I'm going to break them apart in a minute. We're going to look at them and break these, uh, these uh, verses down to see what the Word of God really says to us about how to stay calm in the midst of chaos, whether it's what you see in the world or whatever's going on in your own life. Um, I looked up, just for the fun of it, I looked up some secular ideas for how to stay calm in the chaos. So this was, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I thought this was interesting. Let me read some of this to you. And this is how, you know, these came out of like psychology magazines and different things like that. So this is, this is how one of them went, how to keep calm in the chaos from a secular point of view. This article said, establishing a sense of controlled calm should be an important priority in your daily life. It should. Some ways to bring calm into your life include such activities as yoga, meditation, exercise, communing with nature, reading, and the creative arts. Not knocking all those things. Those are all things that could, you know, make you feel better. But is that really the, the absolute key to finding calm in the midst of chaos? It went on to say meditation and writing this person said, are my personal anti-chaotic activities. In particular, loving kindness meditations are useful during difficult times, she said. As a part of this 2,500-year-old practice, phrases promoting goodwill are repeated to evoke a feeling of love and friendship toward ourselves and others. There are many mantras you can use during this meditation, which can be directed toward yourself or a loved one undergoing a difficult time. The idea is to recite these phrases over and over again. It is as follows. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be, may I, uh, be well. Again, kind of repeated itself there. But to repeat those things over and over and over again. So another one said, move through chaos with seven simple steps. The first one is to trust in yourself. Well, the Bible is going to tell us that we can't trust in ourselves. We got to trust in God. So that's what their first one was, to trust in yourself. Then it says, when you're in chaos, trust your inner voice. Believe in your guiding values and continue to recognize and welcome what's positive in your life. Some of this stuff sounds like that... Uh, that new press secretary, when she answers questions from Peter Ducey, they don't even make any sense. This person went on to say, have faith in a higher order. Higher order? There's only one. It's God, and they missed that whole thing. Whatever happens, the structure of your world will maintain its shape. It won't dissolve. Focus will emerge. Use this time to pause, ponder, reboot, and launch a project self to help you build a calmer and more focused you. I don't know what that's talking about. Look in the direction you want to go. You may feel like a ship at sea being tossed around. But keep pointing the ship towards the shore or the light. Keep breathing and steering the boat. Well, you better keep breathing. You won't be alive. Keep breathing and steering the boat. Know you're going to get through it all. In the end, there will be a wide calm and a deep delight. So those are some of the principles that secular people are told to stand on that will bring them calm and the chaos, I don't see, I mean, you may get a feeling of well-being at times for a little while. That's not going to bring you calm in the midst of true chaos because it's not truth. It's not the capital T-R-U-T-H. The Bible gives us the answer to these things. Um, 
So let's get to let's get to what the word of God says and how we can really stay calm in the chaos. So we're going to look at these verses and one of the things that I love to do I don't like to just give stories. I like to break the word of God down so that we can really see how what the word of God's really saying to us about these things. So let's go to verse 6. The first words that that verse 6 say are humble yourself. Now this is a key to uh, pretty much your, a, a successful Christian life is to humble yourself. The only way that a man, though, can humble himself is by and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. You truly can't humble yourself on your own. That's why you can't trust in yourself. You've got to go to the Spirit. And I'm talking now uh, to believers, people who know Christ, who thusly then are filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you need to let the Holy Spirit help you find humility in your life to humble yourself. Um, our fallen flesh constantly seeks to be exalted. Um, and it's so it's it's in continual opposition to the Holy Spirit who thus indwells every believer. So we're fighting with this. And it's only when the believer surrenders to the supernatural working of the Spirit and walks by the Spirit that he can truly walk in humility like Jesus Christ did. And that's a goal of our life is to walk in humility. J. Vernon McGee, an old-time Bible teacher, used to be on the radio. He said this, It is only when you and I come in humility that we will be able to know the grace of God. In view of the coming of Christ, humility should be the attitude of the child of God. Christ is the one who will establish justice and make things right when he comes. You cannot straighten out this world, although you may think you can in other words, we just humble ourselves and let God deal with all the chaos. So humble, it literally means to bring to the ground or make level and figuratively to cause someone to lose prestige or status. Remember, Jesus humbled himself and became like a man. So if that's what he does, the humbling aspect of his life, that's what we are to do to humble ourselves. This humble yourself is in, an aorist, is in an aorist imperative in the Greek, and that is a command which is calling us to make a decision, and it even conveys an urgency. Humble yourself. Do this now. Don't delay. Humble yourself. Let the Holy Spirit help you uh, bring your, your life to a place of humility. So we see our need to depend on the Holy Spirit to obey this otherwise impossible command, um, because again, our flesh detests humility and continually and ferociously fights to make us proud and puffed up and self-exalted. So this is not, again, you can't trust in yourself. This is not something you can do on your own. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who can help us to follow this directive of humbling ourselves. Humble yourself in the Greek is also in what we call the passive voice. And that indicates that we are to allow ourselves to be humbled by God. Allow God to lower your level of autonomy uh, of your own of, of your own or your own estimation of yourself. And this includes letting go of this subtle tendency that we all have of self-reliance. And this is one of the things that goes directly against the world. We are supposed to get ourselves where we are completely reliant on God. That's where he wants us to be. That's how God can really move in your life when you bring yourself to a place where you are relying, completely relying on God to help you in your life, to steer you in the right direction, to take care of your needs. When you put yourself in that position, humble yourself into that position, 
uh, we're going to read some scripture verses on this. God can do great things in your life. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Now, whenever we hear a phrase like that talks about a body part connected to God, the hand of God, this is a what we call an anthropomorphism. This is not. This is a an interpretation of God in terms of our human or our personal characteristics. Um, this is a way of of describing God's providential activity or his manifest strength in our lives. Uh, he's divinely orchestrating every circumstance and every trial that comes our way. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Yet his mighty hand is a loving hand. And he does not allow, does not allow us uh, to be humble, to crush us. That's the important thing to remember here. But he allows us to be humble, to mold us and to make us more and more conformed to the image of his son. That is a key to your life. If we talked about nothing else, that is a key to our lives as men and women of God to find true success the Bible way is to allow God via the power of the Holy Spirit to humble us and put us in a position of complete and self-reliance on him. Remember, you will fight your flesh on this because your flesh does not want you to walk in humility. Your flesh wants you to walk in self-reliance and pride so we got to fight for this and make sure that we are always at every moment of our life on our walk with Christ doing everything we can to let God put us in that place where we are subjected to him and rely on him for all things where we have been humbled to a place. We are humbling ourselves by the power of God through the power of the spirit into a place of great position. I'm telling you, that's where God can really work in your life. Another great scripture verse that relates to this, it's found in James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, and then verse 10. And I'm going to read it to you. It says this, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Man, let me read that again and hit some points. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Put your life under God. This, that, that's the problem with our nation. We're led by people that are anti-God, a president who's anti-Christ, and because of that, this nation is not, as him being the leader, is not being submitted to God. It's not being seen as a nation under God. And that's why it's in the trouble that it's in. But that is the same thing with your own life. You need to submit your life to God under God's protection, care, power, and direction. It goes on to say, resist the devil. Resist him with the word of God. If you got some kind of fleshy thing trying to come over you and some kind of temptation, somebody's trying to control your life, find a scripture verse for it and pray over it and speak that back to the devil because he doesn't like the word of God. He will flee from that word and that's how you resist him. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Are you praying every day? Are you putting in the time and the effort to draw near to God? What a benefit he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. 
you want to be lifted up uh, by man or do you want to be lifted up by God? Well, to be lifted up by God, you need to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Listen, God works according to laws. And it's a natural law that if we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, surrendering our own will and honor, then he will give us the grace that we need to live a Christian life in truth as well as exalt us in his time. So there is a huge benefit for just saying, letting God humble you, let putting yourself in a position of subject of subjection to God, submitting to God, humble yourself and let yourself be under God and let God do what God wants to do in your life and let God exalt you at that due time. That verse goes on to say, so that at the proper time, which we just said, he may exalt you. So the word exalt means to be lifted up or elevated and in context here refers to a spiritual lifting or in a sense, a revival. God will cause us to rise spiritually and we will be placed on a higher spiritual plane when we humble ourselves before him. In your humility, God will exalt you. In your humility, God will then lift you up. James added again in James uh, James 4.10, let me read that again. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. So it's the cross before the crown principle. I said it's the cross before the crown principle, which was taught by Jesus who declared in Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Whoever exalts himself, i.e. those who are leading our nation, they are a proud bunch of people. They will soon be humbled by God, but whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Again, that's found in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. In Luke 1, Mary, in her exaltation of the Lord, said, he has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and exalted those who were humble. Humbling ourselves in order to be exalted is one of the great paradoxes of Christianity. If you want to go up, you must go down. If you want to go up, you must go down. Remember, Jesus humbled himself and came. Um, he was still God, but he came in a form of a man and he suffered as a man, suffered on the cross as a man, lived through life as a man, never sinned, but lived and humbled himself so that he could relate to us and be our substitute upon the cross. John the Baptist understood this important but basic spiritual principle when he declared of Christ, he must increase, but I must decrease. John 3, 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Paul had the mighty hand of God upon him in the form of a thorn, whatever that was. Uh, nobody really knows. Nobody is. Nobody knows exactly what it was. He had a thorn in his side, quote unquote, thorn in his side, and thereby he came to understand that Christ's grace is sufficient, for he realized power is perfected in weakness. So God used that to help humble him. But 
man, if anybody was lifted up, it was the Apostle Paul or exalted. It was the Apostle Paul. So as a result, Paul then went on to exclaim, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. I'm telling you folks, this right here is the absolute opposite of the way the world tells you we're supposed to live. We're supposed to be self-dependent. We're supposed to be depending upon ourselves to get everything done. Uh, we We are our own hero. We are our own little G God. But look at what Paul, this is amazing to me. He said, I'd rather boast about my weaknesses. You never hear somebody talk about that in a self-help book, boast about my weaknesses. Why? Because then I know the power of Christ is going to dwell in me. And therefore, I am well content, Paul's saying, with weaknesses. Why not? Because the power of Christ is going to dwell in me. I'm okay. I'm content with insults. I'm content with distresses. I'm content, content with persecutions. I'm content with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is powerful right there. Wow. So it talks about the proper time he will exalt you. So the sovereign God controls everything, including time. And I seem to always going off on a little political thing here. These leaders of our nation think they are the rulers of all this. They don't understand that at any moment God can bring their kingdoms down and he will, whether it's now or whether it's at the great white throne judgment, the reality of how they're living and the decisions they're making is going to come to fruition in their lives. The sovereign God controls everything, including time. God is never late for all of you that think, man, when's God going to come through? He's never late. He's never early, but he's always exactly on the right time. He will exalt us in his own good time. He never exalts anyone until that person is ready for it. And first the cross, then the crown, first the suffering, then the glory. Man, I'm giving you some great Bible antidotes to and instruction on how to live a truly biblical, successful life. This is great stuff. Even as I put it down and even as I'm going over it now, it's just impressed on me even more. So now we come into verse 7, in which says, casting all... so." Calm into chaos. Here we go. Casting all, starts with humbling yourself. Then he says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This is going to convict some of you that, that like, that are always filled with anxiety, frustration, anger against everything that's going on right now. You let it affect your life. You let it affect your attitude. You let it affect the things that come out of your mouth. This is going to be convicting you because it's going to show you you shouldn't be, as a man and woman of God, you should should not be living your life that way. You're supposed to, I'm supposed to cast my cares and my anxieties on him because he cares for me. Here's some other related passages to this. Matthew 6, 25 says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And I think about that verse right now with all of this um, unnecessary inflation that's going on right now. Um, And grocery store shelves are empty from 
this thing, this item's not there, this item's not there, everything's in shortage and all this stuff going. But the, the Word of God says, do not be worried about your life. Do not be worried about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body as to what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? In other words, God's saying, I got this. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll add all these things unto you. That's the key to you getting through this with all the anxiety of this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 34 then says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just keep trusting God, submitting yourself under God each day that you wake up. Luke 12, verses 11 through 12 says this, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So in other words, don't worry about these things. Luke 12, Luke 12 verse 22 says this, And he said to his disciples, For this reason, I, this is Jesus is saying this, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life, as to what you will eat, nor for your body is what you will put on. Humble yourself, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. You should not carry anxieties out of this sermon and worries out of this sermon. And you're going to need to dump that stuff right now before you get out of this sermon. And when this sermon's over and before you go on your day, you need to be walking in the rest of the day and walking in tomorrow with a, as a person who is walking in calmness, not affected by the chaos, you've humbled yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You're letting yourself be submitted to God's rule in your life. He's your sovereign God. You need to begin to cast your cares, or some versions say anxieties, onto him because he cares for you. The word anxiety in the Greek means, this is interesting, the word anxiety in the Greek means to divide or draw different directions, which is exactly what anxiety does to most of us. It pulls us in different directions. We feel undone. We're being pulled that way, that way. To divide or draw different directions. It refers to a care or a concern. From the origin, we can see that that Greek word describes the state of being pulled apart. And that's what anxiety feels like. Real anxiety, really being in chaotic in this, you know, and what's going on around you. It begins to feel like it's pulling you apart. We're not supposed to live our lives that way. We're supposed to be people, the fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruit of the Spirit in us that the Holy Spirit brought with him when he came to live in us is self-control. We are not supposed to be overcome by all this chaos that's going on in the world we have an ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in calmness. Thus, so when circumstances are difficult, it's easy to let ourselves be dominated by anxiety and worry. I know people in my life who thought it was their calling to be a worrier. It is not. You're not supposed to be a person. If you don't, if you're, if you're worrying about everything, then you're not trusting God. You say you trust God. You say you have faith in God. You say you have faith in God, knowing God can take care of all things, but yet you're worrying. It's a dichotomy. You can't be one or the other. You either really trust in God or, or you're not, or you're, or you're worrying about things all. You got to really trust in God or 
you're going to be worrying and be filled with anxiety. There's, you can't do both. You've got to trust in God. You've got to walk calm in the midst of the chaos. Besides anxiety, another word that is synon- synonymous with uh, worry is the verb fret, which literally means to eat or gnaw into and figuratively pictures causing one to suffer emotional strain, be distressed, or feel vexation. Fret. Do not worry. Do not have anxieties. Do not fret. The etymology or origin of the word fret perfectly describes this de- the detrimental destructive effect of the emotional state of worry and anxiety. It is a destructive effect. Anxiety, worry, fret, they are a destructive effect. They are a detrimental effect upon your life. It will affect your forward movement in God. It will affect your ability to be exalted when God wants to because you still not humbled yourself underneath God, knowing that God is in control of all things. And you're worrying because you're trying to deal with stuff in your own self and not letting God take care of all of those situations in your life. I don't have to worry about the gas shortage. I pray about it, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about the food shortage. I'll pray about it, but I'm not going to worry about it. So we're supposed to cast all of our anxiety upon him. And that word, in, in the Greek, the first word there is not casting. The first word is all. And that's an emphasis that Greek uses uh, that means all without exception. So when you cast all, you're casting everything. There's no exception. Everything, every care, every worry, every anxiety, every fretting thing about your life, you're supposed to cast it upon the Lord. Remember, the Lord's shoulders are broad enough. I remember when I went to boot camp. And before I walked up into our actual boot camp, into the into the building, um, I guess the guys who were the company commanders looked out the window and saw this new group of recruits coming up towards their, and they were the ones that were going to be, you know, uh, doing what they got to do to us to shape us into being good sailors. Um, I remember they pulled me aside immediately. They brought me into their office and said, listen, we saw you walking up here. You got shoulders like axe handles. And we're going to make you the master of arms. You're going to be in charge of all these people. Well, I, I don't know about that. You know, I don't have little shoulders, but I know one thing. The Lord has huge shoulders. And they're broad enough and strong enough to bear whatever burden might be going on in my life. Mine aren't wide enough to care, to deal with all the things or the burdens, anxieties, worries that try to come against my life. But the Lord's are. And I'm supposed to cast all my stuff on him. The verb casting is in the active voice in the Greek. It signifies that we must make a conscious, volitional choice, a choice of our will to cast the burden on the Lord. So the way the writer was inspired to write this and the word that he was used to use for casting was put in a particular style of Greek verb that means this is our choice to do this. We have to make the choice to cast the burdens upon the Lord. He's not going to make us. We got to make the choice to cast our burdens upon the Lord. So casting our anxiety or our worries or our frets upon him, again, the Greek word means to throw or cast upon, to throw something upon something. For example, throwing a blanket over the back of a horse. Cast your cares on the Lord. Throw your cares upon the shoulders of 
God. Throw your cares upon the shoulders of God. It's in the aorist tense in the Greek, and it means uh, denotes an act once for all, throwing the whole life with its care upon him. In other words, we are supposed to humble ourselves. We are supposed to cast all of our life and any of the problems and the anxieties and things, because life will bring worry. Life will try to bring worry into your life. Life will try to bring anxiety, whether it's from the devil, the flesh, or the world. It will try to press in on your life and cause you to worry. Be filled with anxiety. There's people that are so they're filled with depression and are going to secular psychologists, probably even church people, not understanding that you can find calm in the chaos by simply following the directions of the Word of God. So we're supposed to make that decision. Again, it's a once for all. We give all of our cares, past, present, and future to the Lord. And one of the things you should do out of this sermon is you should, before it, when it's over or now, you need to make sure you're casting all of your cares upon him. Don't waste time. Remember, it was a command. Do it now. Do it now. Humble yourself now. Cast your cares on him now. All of those cares, not just some, but give him every single thing. The literal picture here is seen in Luke 19.35, where it says, they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. So they didn't throw pieces of their coat on the colt, but they threw all of the coat onto the donkey or the colt and that's what we are supposed to do to throw all of our worries our concerns and our distresses and anxieties upon the huge shoulders of god paul said cast your cares upon god in his epistle to the philippians paul exhorted people worry about nothing but pray about everything worry about nothing but pray about everything. That is, take it to the Lord in prayer, leave it there, don't pick it up again. That's why you've got to be praying every day because you need to go in your prayer time and constantly be throwing your cares upon the Lord. You should not walk into your day filled with anxiety, fretting, or worrying, or filled with cares. You should be walking through your days calm, in the midst of all the chaos that's going on around you. And it's not about repeating things, a mantra about yourself. It's about going to the word of God and following God's directions for us. Simply believers are to cast all of their care upon him. And again, the emphasis is not on casting each individual anxiety, but on casting the whole of one's life upon the Lord. Got that? You cast all of your life upon the Lord. In other words, Peter does not say casting the big burdens and keeping the little ones. Cast all of them on him. Cast all of them on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He's a loving God. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're in the kingdom of God. You're a, da you're a daughter of the king. You're a, da you're a son of God. He cares about you. Cast that stuff on him. Throw those worries on him. Whatever it is, financial, all the stuff going on around here. Uh, that's going on in the polit political world, all that stuff, whatever, the border, you know, uh, Ukraine, whatever it is that's bothering you, uh, you need to cast that on him right now. All the stuff that they're doing to children, all this stuff, we can't let it beat us down. We've got to be calm walking through this chaos with calm, a calm heart, a calm life. We all need to come to a place where we realize that God is all sufficient for all problems that may come into our life. God is all-sufficient 
for all problems that come into our life. There's not a headache. There's not a difficulty or a problem that's too difficult for the plan of God. Nothing is too difficult for God to help you in, to give you victory in. No sin is too great for God to forgive. God is sovereign. He is big enough to carry the problems, the cares, the anxieties, and the worries of all the people in the world. He's able to do that. He is God. He is God. Our Father, beloved, listen, our Father is willing and able to carry our heaviest and our lightest burdens, but before we can experience God's sufficiency, we need to acknowledge our insufficiency to live the Christian life. And that brings us right back to humbling ourselves under the mighty hand. I can't do this, God, without you. I can't do this. Jesus, thank you for being my substitute. Holy Spirit, thank you for living inside of me and being my guide and my strength and my wisdom. I cannot do this. I cannot live this life successfully the Bible way and, 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 unless I completely depend on you. I, You are my sufficiency. I'm not sufficient in myself. So I ask you, is there some anxiety? What anxiety are you carrying right now? What is your heartache right now? What grief do you bear today? What disappointment do you bear today? What hurt feeling? I, I just, this pops in my head of that young girl um, that was kidnapped at the Dallas Mavericks game just recently. And um, they found her 10 days later um, in a hotel room in Oklahoma being sold for um, sex. And the father let her go to the bathroom at 15 years old by herself in the Dallas Mavericks game. And I'm sure he's devastated in his own life. I think about the little girl. I don't know her. I've never met her. But I pray for her every day now about her to find healing in her heart. I don't know if they know Christ. But I do know this. I, that is a, probably a, a, a road to come back from that I could not imagine. But I know one thing. The only way that she's going to find true peace the only way she's going to try, try is going to find true, true calm in her life is to come to faith in Christ and then let the Holy Spirit now begin to work in her. So I'm sure she's filled with, her, I don't even know what words you would say, just not just hurt, but the depth of what she deals with. Um, God's shoulders are big enough for her to throw that on her. Her, her father, who's probably dealing with, why did I let her go to the bathroom? All this stuff, he, he, God's big enough for him to throw those cares upon God's shoulders, and God can help them through this. Um, not just some counselor, but knowing that God is on their side. So that's what we're talking about today. Whatever the burden, go to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace by casting it upon him, for he does not want us to carry the burdens. He doesn't want us to carry the burdens. That's how you find calm in the chaos. D.L. Moody said this, a great many people seem to embalm their troubles. I always feel like running away when I see them coming. That's great. I love that. They bring out their old mummy and tell you in a sad voice, you don't know the troubles I have. My friends, he said, if you go to the Lord with your troubles, he will take them away. Would you not rather be with the Lord and get rid of your troubles than be with your troubles and without God? Let trouble come if it will drive us near to God. He said, it is a great thing to have a place of resort in the time of trouble. How people get on without God, the God of the Bible, is a mystery to me, he said. If I didn't have such a refuge, a place to go and pour out my heart to God in such times, I don't know what I would do, he said. It seems as if I would go out of my mind. 
but to think when the heart is burdened, we can go and pour it into his ear and then have the answer, come back, quote, I will be with him. There is comfort in that. He said, I thank God for the old book. I thank God for this old promise. It is as sweet and fresh today as it has ever been. Thank God none of those promises are out of date or have grown stale. They are as fresh and vigorous and young and sweet as ever. Listen, you have calm in the chaos if you cast those things that are causing worry, anxiety, and chaos onto the Lord once and for all. Folks, it's not about yoga. It's not about meditation. It's not about exercise. It's not about communing with nature. It's not about reading and creative arts. It's not about meditation and writing. It's not about mantras directed toward yourself or a loved one undergoing a difficult time. It's not about reciting these phrases over and over again. It's not about trusting in yourself. It's, about, it's not about trusting in your inner voice. It's not about believing in your guiding values. It's not about launching a project self. It's about, it's about humbling yourself, knowing that your complete dependence is on the strength of the Holy Spirit. It's all about casting, throwing all of your care, worries, and anxieties upon him, the sovereign God of the universe who truly cares about you. Anxiety and fear are the fruit of the root of unbelief and unwillingness to accept God's sovereignty over all of the aspects of your life. God is sovereign. He's over all things. His shoulders are huge. Know that you know that you know that he hears, he cares. Throw the, all the cares, the cares of your life upon him and watch what God can do in your life. Faith can break the stranglehold of anxiety and fear. Have faith in God. And I close with this last question. Do you really trust God's sovereignty enough to cast your anxiety upon him? The perfect cure for worry or anxiety is a childlike trust in our heavenly father. And lastly, Psalms 91, two says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him, I will trust. Calm in the chaos. I just gave you Bible instructions on how you can come out of that anxiety, that fretting and that worry and those cares and have calm in the midst of the chaos swirling all around our lives. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I just come before you right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for these short minutes that I was able to share with those who are watching. I pray that you would draw people to this sermon, uh, this teaching that need to hear this particular topic. All of us need to hear it, but there's people out there who really are going through difficult times because they've allowed themselves to fall into a place of chaos. They've allowed themselves. Their life is seemingly chaotic. Their life is filled with worry. Their life is filled with turmoil. Their life is filled with anxieties and cares. I pray you, Holy Spirit, you draw them to this so that they could get some direction into life and how they deal with these things. First of all, it starts with knowing Christ as the Lord and the Savior of our life. Holy Spirit then comes to live inside of us, and now we're starting in the right foundation. I pray for all those who are dealing with things out there right now. I pray that they would find this truth. I pray, Father God, that they would come to know the truth about how they would quit depending on themselves, quit depending on secular ways to, to try to find some level of, of calmness in their life, and they would turn to you. And I pray that they would give you their lives. I pray they would humble themselves. I pray that they would submit their lives completely under the sovereignty of who you are. 
under their sovereign God and trusting you with their whole heart, knowing that you can take care of and deal with every situation that they are going through right now. I pray they would cast right now every care and every worry and every anxiety upon your shoulders, Lord, and in that they would begin to find peace and calmness in their life, in their mind, and in their heart. We pray these things and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me. When I preach these things, these things minister to me because it puts it back in me again as I give it back out to you. So live this out. Don't be a person filled with anxiety, fear, or worry. Be a person who is calm and self-controlled. And you can do it. Amen. From this moment on, live all out for God. Amen. God bless you.